Rabbi Yudin is, is in Israel, and as we've been saying for the last couple of weeks, it's always extra special hearing from Rabbi Yudin when he's in the Holy Land and speaking about the week's parsha. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader emeritus, congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, everybody, for you back in the States, and wherever you're listening to this special program. I can say good afternoon. It's very close to Shabbos, which is approximately 4.30 in Eretz Yisrael, candle lighting time. And what can I tell you? The excitement of being here. To be able to drive Monday, Sunday, through Thursday, and to appreciate Baruch Hashem, that even though the roads are getting much better, but there's traffic. And when you drive on Friday, there is no traffic. The roads themselves are saying good Shabbos to you. There's such a wonderful spirit of Erev Shabbos in the air. Not just the flower stands pop up on various corners and everybody is bringing home flowers for Shabbos. It's just that it's a very different way to go into Shabbos when you are here, home in Israel. Okay, let's get to work. This week's Pasha is Pasha's Shmos. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Pasha Shmos. It's called the Book of Names because it begins with, once again, the enumeration of the names of B'nai Yisrael, Rashi teaches us Hashem loves the Jewish people, as we'll see much more in the parsha. And interestingly, this is Sefer HaBu'ula, the book of our redemption, required reading for everyone, is the introduction of the Ramban to this book, whereby he says, listen so beautifully, I would have thought the book would be much shorter. If the book is a book of our redemption, okay, the first part of the book tells us of our enslavement, first two parashios, and then Bo and Bishalach speak of the actual Yitzias Mitzrayim and the drowning of the Mitzrayim in the Yamsuf, good. Then we go from there to Yisro, whereby we're given the Ten Commandments, then we're given Mishpatim, the rest of the laws, and what do we have next? Oh my goodness, we have the Mishkan, the sanctuary, which was built by the Jewish people in the desert. That's when we become redeemed, says the Ramban, when God has a home within us. That's the redemption. When you walk home tonight from Shul, or if you, for whatever the reason you can't go to Shul, when you finish davening tonight, you're going to bring with you two angels. And you're going to say, wow, how beautiful this home is. And that the Shema Yisirah, that additional soul that you have on Shabbos, is going to help you appreciate that it's not just a regular house that you're in all week long. This is now the home which has the Shema in it. Wow. Okay. The Bahag Balalokos Gedolos called the Book of Shmos, 
Sefer Sheni. So Galatians is just that. Shemos was called the second book. He didn't call Vayikra third, Vayikra by Midbar Devari. What does this mean? That this book of Shmos is the quote second book or a continuation of the first. So the first answer is going to be that Derech Eretz Kodmova Torah. You've got to be a good person before you are a good Jew. And the Torah therefore stresses, take a look, the book and it's the sound in the Nitziv, in his introduction to the book of Bereshis. The book of Bereshis is called Sefer Hayashar, the way of just and right behavior. Because the Avos, Abba Mitzvah and Yaakov, the heroes of the book, they were Yishorim. They were right and just. And they, those are our heroes. So before we get to Sinai and get the Torah, we have the heroes from the first book. But I'd like to suggest, as you'll see in a moment, as does the Beheri Yosef, the Yosef Salant, another understanding of this being the second book. And let me present it in the following way. The book of Horatius is the creation of the Jewish family. What does that mean? It starts with Avram Avinu, and we come down to Egypt. The Torah tells us, come, come, 70 individuals. Number 70 is fetched, and we say it's probably Yochebed, or maybe Hashem himself, because you keep counting, you're only going to get 69. The bottom line is we come as a family, and the Torah enumerates the names of the members of our family. And then in Mitzrayim, we have just there, which is something that you would think is like an oxymoron. Just there in Mitzrayim, we become that great nation. It becomes, as the Torah says in the fifth book, in Eschanan, the Kurah Barzel, the furnace that purified as metal, precious metal, is put in the furnace. And the dross comes out, and all you have left is the pure gold. Similarly, in Mitzrayim, we were oppressed, which took away our negative character, and we came out ready to become God's servants. What a privilege. Okay, so now I want to show something very fascinating. And let's keep in mind that this is the first exile of the Jewish people, and you're going to see something very fascinating in a moment. The base of Yosef says, take a look. Just like in the first book of the Torah, it was all related to the Jewish people, supernatural. What does that mean, supernatural? Well, the Torah goes out of its way to tell us that Avram was 100 years old and Sarah was 90 when they gave birth to Yitzchak. What's the difference? The answer is a big difference because it showed that God was from the get-go, from the very beginning, from the establishing of the Jewish people, showing that we are supernatural. We're just not like any other people. At that time, nobody was giving birth at 90. Kovash Omeya says, Sora, 
Yitzhak agree or laugh with me. However, in this week's parsha, number one, it's a continuation of that Lamala Min Hateva. How old was Yochebed when she gave birth to baby Moshe? And the answer is 130 years old. So I know what your question is. Ramban asked your question. If that's the case, why didn't the Torah make oh, a bigger deal over Yochebed's supernatural birth? as the Torah does by Sarah's supernatural birth, and he gives a beautiful answer. At the time when Sarah had a baby, nobody was having babies at 90. Here, they were having six babies at a time. Here, for 130-year-old women to have a baby, it was natural. Nobody blinked. Whoa, you're dealing from the very beginning now of the Jewish nation once again. And I want to share with you a medrash. We know at the very beginning of the parasha. Now, what do the Jewish people do? Nothing. They don't have to do anything. Just the very fact that we are the chosen people. That God said, I am with you. That God winks at us at various occasions. Including, we'll share one in a minute. Watch. So, at the very beginning of the parasha, what do we find? That somebody, after we're told that, quote, a new power came, and Rashi gives you two interpretations, basically it's the same power with me um, to freeze. The bottom line is, here we go, he said, well, look at the Jewish people, that they are becoming too numerous or too mighty. And therefore, let us deal cleverly with them, lest they multiply, right? And if, in the course of events, there should be a war, if, if, and watch this, they will join the enemies, they will have money, or fight against us, the other men are from the area. Now watch. Listen carefully. The metric on this verse tells us, there were three men who were the primary advisors to Paro. Who were they? One, Bilam, Eov, and Yisrael. Anybody want to see this? This is in the Medrash Rabbah on that puzzle. You can look at the Gemara Sota, Yun Aleph, and the Gemara Sanhedrin Kuvah for further substantiation of what I'm going to tell you now. Three men, Bilam, Eov, and Yisrael. Bilam is the one who gave this Eitzah. Remember the Eitzah that Bilam gave never at the end of Parshat Bola, that we should entice the Jewish men with the women of uh, Midian. So, unfortunately, and he was killed as a result of that, we know, he's the one that gave this proposal to Parshat. Namely, let's cleverly enslave the people. Now, ask the Beis Halevi. I'm sorry, keep saying that. The Be'er Yosef. Isn't this against his character? Namely, Bilaam's power, we know, is in his mouth. Bilaam had the ability to curse. So when Paro says to his advisors, I've got a problem with the Jewish people. What do I do with the Jewish nation? Bilaam should have said, no problem. I'll take care of them. Just tell me when. I'll curse them. So going against his nature, why? Because this is Yad Malachim 
Leiv Malachim, the mind of the kings and their advisors are in the hands of God. So God put this in the mind of Bilam that he should give such an idea. The next one is Eov. Tell me about Eov, my friends. Go look in the Gemara Bavapasra 15b. And what are you going to see? That Bilam was by nature an exceedingly kind and generous individual. That if anybody came to his home and they were hungry, whoa, he took care of them and gave them great deal of friendship, food, etc. So this man of generosity, what does he do? Unfortunately, he of Shlasak. He kept quiet. He doesn't protest. Shtika Godah. Unfortunately, when you keep silent at such a time, you are admitting. You become partially guilty. And finally, the third one was Yisro. Yisro was one of the closest advisors to Paro. Now, what is Yisro? Tell me a little bit about him. Yisro, we know, tried out all the religions. He's a man of truth, and he finds the truth only afterwards in Torah and Mitzvot. So what does he do again? Instead of saying, you can't do this, this is untrue, what does he do? He realizes you can't fight City Hall. What does he do? Barach! He runs away. So the Medrash continues, it says, that Bill who gave the Eitzah, he's killed. And Eov, who kept silent, he was punished, as we know from the book of Job, with many great punishments. Yisro, who ran away in protest, he was the one that some of his great descendants became part of the Sanhedrin. All three are going against their nature. My friends, look at baby Moshe, who is found in the Pasha. Who saves Moshe? Listen carefully, Basparo. Again, a father is the one that made the decree that all baby boys should be killed. And literally, from under his nose, Moshe Rabbeinu is raised. Prior to that, she gets a Hebrew woman to nurse the baby because the Egyptian girls that were with Basparo did not, uh, could not nurse baby Moshe because the baby that would speak with Hashem couldn't be nursed by a non-Jewish woman. So I go and get you somebody. She gets the mother. And Basparo says, not knowing it's the mother, I'll pay you for nursing. If that isn't a divine wink, not only does she get her baby back, not only can she nurse her baby, which we know how much a mother wants to do that, but she's getting paid for it. My friends, see through the cloud. See where God is speaking to the Jewish people at that time. Now watch. Aside from what you're going to find in the forthcoming weeks, the ten makos, which show God's complete control of nature. And this is supernatural, that none of the plague affects Jewish people. Let's go beyond this. Just like Moshe Rabbeinu was raised under Paro's nose, go to the book of Kings. And because the people in the days of King Ahab and Queen Isabel were terrible people vis-a-vis God. So what happened was in Yor Navi said there'd be a famine for three years and there was. 
and Achav the king wanted Eliyahu dead or alive. Where does Eliyahu go to the desert? There's no, um, there's no food in the desert. No kosher. There's no food in the desert. How did Eliyahu Nabi sustain himself in the desert? Fasten your seatbelts. A raven came daily to the kitchen of Achav, the very king that wanted to kill him from his kitchen. The raven took a bird, excuse me, took a bag every day and brought this bag to Eliyahu Nabi and from under his nose. Finally, he was privileged in 83 to go to the former Soviet Union. I met with a room full of college students. What are you guys doing here? And they all gave the same answer. They did very well in high school, and they wanted to go to a particular college, and they were denied. And they asked why. And they were told, because you're Jewish. They went home and they asked their moms and dads, what does it mean to be Jewish? Amazing. And listen carefully. How did they even know that they were Jewish? Because in the former Soviet Union, you had to walk around with your identification papers all the time. And on your identification papers, it said you were Jewish. Amazing. So the very nation that wanted to uproot Judaism from right under their nose, this is what came about. The idea behind the Pasha is to teach us that just as we saw Hashem in the other Goliaths, that he is with us. This is the idea of the burning bush. God is with us at all times in our burials. And as he was then, so he is now. And I just want to end by saying that the burning bush, what does God say to Moshe? Moshe, I'm taking you guys out of Israel. And I am bringing you, listen carefully now, to the land, to that special land. For a raid that the Lord of Israel, I'm sorry, Nachem, for a minute. For that so many Eretz, El Eretz, Tova Urchava. I'm going to bring the Jewish people. This is our home, a land which is good and spacious. There's room for everybody. And all I say is the privilege I have of being home this Shabbos in Eretz Israel in Rabat Beit Shemesh. Hope and pray all of you will come quickly. First of all, to spend the Shabbos here. It's so special. And then, with Hashem, that's where we're going to move. Shabbat Shalom to all.